Hey, 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 family, this is your host, Jermaine Thomas, a.k.a. the professor of My Irreligious Life podcast. I want to send a big shout out to our fans and to those that are tracking with us and keeping up with our content here at My Irreligious Life podcast. I want to send a special thank you and a shout out to you. Please get the word out. And you all that haven't checked us out yet, you need to check us out. There's content and material that we hope that would empower you, encourage you, and more as we talk about and break down conversations around deconstruction, decolonizing, and deconverting from the Christian faith. Okay. Hello, everybody. This is Perspectives with Catherine Toon, and this is Catherine Toon, and I am Super pumped to have my friend, brother, compadre, Jermaine Thomas, join us today. Uh, he is amazing. I He just says a phrase. I'm like, oh, that's deep. Sure, I'm going to let, Jermaine, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. But I, I just already know that I'm taking notes to copy some things. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> always have really meaty, thoughtful, insightful things. Jermaine, Give everybody a picture of who Jermaine Thomas is. Yes. As you were stating earlier, I put on my uh, page that I'm a conservative thought and liberal at heart. And uh, it does cover all bases. And uh, conservative with respect to not nothing traditional, but just just respect to us healthy, us empowering myself and to others. So I am a social worker out of the state of Illinois. I've been uh, social services for over 20 years. I'm a father of six which includes two sisters. Um, and married to my wife, Cora. Yeah, and, and I'm I've done ministry between time uh, that that's outreach, street ministry. Now I'm, I'm present. I'm a professor at World Bible School University, and I host a show uh, on here on uh, on the global. Uh, what's the name of the? It's okay, Global Online Ministry Alliance. Yeah, Goma. I just know Goma. Goma. What it is. That is Sunday School Live, and I just take the uh, approach of uh, topics and themes that's current or taboo with respect to our Christian faith themes and topics and take a uh, worldview perspective, whether it's psychological, theological, with regards to various topics and discussions. That's me in shorthand. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, Jermaine, you are, I glean so much from you. There's a richness in your perspective, and you have such art, and you also make us stop and think, and I you need to think. And it's I love it because Jesus is so secure in who he is, grappling with kind of the taboo. There's like no taboo subject. That's They're right. all there. And he's huge, and he's so secure. And I love that about him. And so one of the things we were talking about discussing, there's so many different ways that we could go. We're going to talk about the uh, LBGTQ. I'm going to make sure I get the everything in right order, community, how that relates with the Christian faith, all of that. And I am really fascinated to hear your perspective on this. So needed. And we are called to love as Jesus loves. And that's a, that's a thing. That's a real thing. Yeah, tell us how this topic sort of became near and dear to your heart and what you're seeing and help us navigate and challenge us and all those good things. Yeah, and uh, thank you for having me and to the Perspective family. Hey, yeah, so I think just with friends, conversations, and just being in social service arena, you hear of issues and as it become more of a cultural issue, if you will. Yeah. Uh, today is the highly debated 
taboo subject for families in some respect, highly political subject respect to church and its concerns of certain religious freedoms or the church's response or what is biblical, what is not biblical. And so you have all of the various representatives, if you will, putting their stake in the ground. And then there's the arguments. And so I'm like, well, what's in the middle? Yeah. So I like to explore what's in the middle. And it takes a bridge to, to discern what's in the middle and build bridges. Church, the world knows the church more for what it's against than what it's uh -oh. for. And uh, yeah, sometimes you would think that the, uh, the church would need a person that would help. What'd you call those? Like a publicist or someone, you know, to help right. them message together. Right. We <laughs> a do spokesperson. Need a bridging helper, a spokesperson. In need. <laughs> yeah, to help us you grab know, our message. What's true to Christian faith, the themes, the story, the message convey that to the world, but that has not been the case years. And yeah. so statistically, Barna Group released, I believe, some statistics in 2020 about the state of the church. People are leaving the church in masses. Recent political upheaval, the racial justice issues only ended that. And so the church, as it is, with respect to America, is on a decline. So people are not leaving God, leaving these systems and structures that perpetuate everything that is not mirrored or reflective of who God is as seen in the person of Jesus Christ. Thank you, you know, it's, yeah. 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 So that's my, my thoughts or thinking that as being on it, then as a social worker to raise awareness and to say, hey, I understand, you know, that we can take a certain stance. We like to take certain stances. And I don't think the church should not be in the public forum or in the public spaces to talk about morality or moral or ethical issues. We should be cheap among the voices that are there, right. but we should not present God as a moral monster in doing so. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it is bridge builder. I had I written down a definition. I came across this and I love it. It says that bridge builders are people who create relationships across the lines of conflict. Yeah. So yeah, that's I think that speaks of a mediator. And that's our role and function even as social workers. But the bridge builders are people who create relationships, cut across the lines of conflict. And uh, and help people come to a commonality, even if it's to a place where you can agree to disagree. And that takes a certain skill set and a skill level that I believe that church leaders and church systems need with respect to cultural competence, yeah. be culturally competent into how do you, as a leader who has a certain theological, moral stance, take great commission, call in the great commission, engage the world around you. Wow. Um, so you, we, have to we have to ask the hard questions and we have to not just have the default response, send the Bible to <laughs> oh my goodness. Each other up with our Bibles, right? Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Yes. And recently I posted, I said, uh, just as much as we would like to argue that God is in the black and white, he's also in the gray. Of course he is. And much of my ministry or life experience career-wise has been in the gray. School preps you to deal with ethical dilemmas, you know, gray areas of life, things that the Bible doesn't necessarily directly speak to. So, I would like to just raise awareness to pastors and leaders and churches and to say, hey, listen, 
maybe going back to school or bringing an expert in, building bridges, even if you don't have the wherewithal or the insight or the understanding. Find someone who does. Right. And bring them in. Interview them, talk to them, and ask them to teach you or to help you, educate you, empower you so that you can be effective. Listen, the church is supposed to this too, that the church has always been poised to be the greatest institution on this planet. But we have squandered power. We have squandered the influence on everything else that doesn't reflect who Jesus is, nor his message. Absolutely. Preach it. Yeah, no, but I, and so I would like to see a course correction, if you will, with respect to church when it comes to the LGBTQ plus issue that's in our society. There's the intersectionality that happens. So I think that sometimes pastors and leaders don't really grasp the comprehension that the world don't speak by. Okay? Really? <laughs> right. Um, our communities don't speak. And then the people, the parishioners have lives. And so each parishioner represents a system, if you will. They represent a system. Uh, their school, they may go to school. They have children that go to school. They have jobs. They have careers. They have communities that they live in. The way the world responds and deals with these certain set, typically the LGBTQ issue, is totally different in how the church responds. And so when we're fear-based, we or we establish labels, I believe labels are the things that we need to justify our biases, prejudices. Right. So we need to remove the labels, dress our own prejudices and our own biases. Right. Label you, I can limit you. Right? Exactly. Box. Exactly. And I think it's, a, it's almost a universal thing we do, but the church does it. They're the ones that are supposed to transcend and we need help <laughs> as the body of Christ actually representing representing a lovely God who loves all. But anyway, keep on going. I'm loving it. No, I, in the conversation I had with a brother of mine, he said an ambassador, right, doesn't represent him or herself. Right. It's a government or, uh, he or she represents. Uh, so if that ambassador gets off message, right, right. nation will recall that ambassador and probably relinqu- relinquish them of their power and their authority because they're not truly represent government. And we as ambassadors for Christ and for the kingdom of God have to be true representatives of the message of who Christ is yeah. and who God is seen in the person of Christ. And so being Christ-centric in our message, our love, hope, we shouldn't be under the greatest institutions of hope and restoration for the whole of man, uh, no matter what halfway ideological spectrum a person is on. When they come to us, they should know what love looks like, what love sounds like, love looks like. We come through all these different filters. We have all these different filters. And the world can't distinguish who God is versus religion. It has this negative connotation. And I think arguably, rightly, it has a negative connotation. And so if you have a Westboro type church that has a certain response, protest, and uh, we all seen those, I wouldn't those things and the things that they stated. If you have a Westboro church, those in the world don't, don't make the distinctions. Oh, well, right. those are those sure. groups, Baptist people. They get them as whole of Christians. They, so it's Christians. And so it doesn't right. matter if it's the Westboro, Westboro church approach to the world. They associate all of us in, in that regard and saying that that's opposition. It's when you have leaders or Christian leaders who say, hey, it's not necessarily challenging, 
prevailing thought that's there, but expanding our thinking around the given subject. For example, homosexuality not being in the Bible. There was a word, a term that that was just uh, that was just written into the scripture. It wasn't there before in earlier editions of the scriptures. So we should have the conversations, okay, with respect to that. We should have the conversations with our congregation. Now, a pastor may have his or her beliefs. Right. You know, I challenge pastors to survey your community, get their thinking. Sometimes, again, we can be such a stake in the ground approach that we miss the nuances given this subject. And the LGBT plus community or that issue is very nuanced. It's a very nuanced issue. You have to consider the psychological nuances, to consider the uh, emotional health nuances, in the emotional well-being of a person in the state that in and have a conversation. Not everybody has been sexually abused. So there is the science, you know, people get into these uh, science, you got all of the things like that. And so I've challenged people. I say, well, if that's your line of reasoning, and thinking, what do you do with people that are born interested? So what do you, they're born with both sexes and, and they didn't have a choice or a decision over a physical persona that they would take on. Parents made that decision for them. Maybe one part of the anatomy was more developed than the other. Right. So they made the decision to go with right. this particular sex preference. I was going to raise as a boy. Yeah, exactly. And so now this uh, individual is raised, feeling trapped in this body, subject to these social constructs and these social conditions, throw religious conditioning and constructs right. in there. Right. And they suffer in that place, never coming to being the true sex. Right. Um, and so I was watching uh, Mulan, all things, uh, last night on this. It's a really great movie, you guys. Uh, Is check that the it new out. one? The new Mulan? Yes, the new one. Yeah. yeah. It was in um, the Virtues uh, the, that they were having the soldiers. And, and one of the Virtues was about them being true to themselves or being true. Ah. And so Mulan was, she was disguised as a male soldier trying to right. fight for a uh, family's honor, right? And uh, fight for the kingdom. And so this lady, this opposing force or the enemy, was like, you know, her, they were battling and she was like, who are you? And she came up with this name, her male name or whatever. Asked her again. She said, well, who are you? She said her male name. And the lady told her that you would never find healing if you're never true to yourself. Wow. Thank you, Disney. That will preach, right? Yeah, that will preach. That was, yes. Oh, goodness. <laughs> and so we're telling the community to be what we want them to be and you will never find true healing is this is why you in you will find people they will conform because of peer pressure you know it's so if the message of the church today it seems like it's more about conformity than it is about true freedom part of part of our group to be in you have to look like this see these are the things that are required for you to be on the inside and to be approved by God. Yeah. And right. Yeah. That you're right. Keep going. This is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Establish these, these conditions. People wanting to have community. Right. have been rejected by family. Be rejected by maybe a certain segment of society. Or internalizing their own shame and guilt of their own struggles. Right. Or coming to terms to their own identity. So you, you see how this thing could be compounded. And then you throw them into a system that's, that says that, hey, we're loving. Come to our church. We're welcoming. But tomorrow, come as you are. Come as you, as you are, are, but you can't stay as you are. 
Because to stay in, you've got to look like something in particular. Exactly. So it's double talk. It's manipulative. It's false advertising. It's bringing people to these systems. And, uh, and then they marry. And then all of a sudden, scandal occurs or happens. And we're like, oh, my God, we're caught off guard about it. Why? Because we've taken, taken the Bible. We've taken scripture. We've weaponized it. Weaponized it so much that we've created a, a system of thinking that that represses people's sexuality. Yeah. And that's the cycle of sexuality in the church. Any way it's displayed, right? We've got issues. And yeah. And so for us to try to overlay on people that are already hurting, just compound and compound and compound. And I mean, this is a real thing And for us. And we're supposed to be where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. I'm supposed to be purveyors of love and freedom. And so what does that look like? And which means that each and every one of us as an individual part of the whole really need to take a look at ourselves and how we are engaging with all of these things internally. So yeah, keep on going. This is awesome. Thank you, Jermaine. I'm enjoying them. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. But yeah, it's important, you know, that we, that even in this present time, I was just thinking about this as I was getting on the show to share, we've come through and still dealing with a worldwide epidemic. Yes. It has caused people to isolate themselves, extended time, especially our older population. Uh, I've been, they were so vulnerable. So I just, I just, I want to take this way, but it'll make sense in a minute. My wife is a nurse. And so they were giving out the shots for the vaccine. Said that a lot of the people, a lot of the old, because they started with an older community and they were, many of them, some of them were crying. Oh, boy. Because they haven't been able to hug and their family, their grandbabies. Right. Yeah, their family. And so this vaccine has given them a greater sense of hope now to reconnect with their family. Oh, that they can reconnect. Yeah. Yeah. You got people dealing with all kinds of issues, right? Emotional issues. Suicide rate has gone up. Depression skyrocketing. Depression. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of emotional things have happened, right? And so now that we're coming at, Maybe, hopefully, we have a tunnel of light of hope, right? Because of the vaccine. Right. So the church is now, we orders are rescinding. We can gather again. And you would think that the church's response would be one that is receiving, uh, be restorative, to be of hope, empowering to people, given what we just come. We're in a state of protest. Understand it. We're in a state of protest. That the church is in a state of protest. The or state. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Respect to transgender issues yeah, and legislation. Brett Hansen in his book called Unoffendable. I encourage all your listeners to go out and get it right away. Yeah. In his book, he says, don't condemn the culture, redeem it. Ooh, that is good. And I thought that that quote in of itself is so powerful. Jesus sees life in the best in us. He speaks to that. Holy Spirit speaks to that. It calls that out of us, right? out of a mistaken identity, out of a life of doing life on life terms, living out of our trauma, living out of the pressures of life. Uh, Jesus comes in and he speaks to the real us. Yes. And he calls that out of us. So you would think that we would be postured enough, mature enough as the church to be the very same thing, to mirror that to the world around us. And sadly, in, in some instances, we have not. And that's not in every case, in every situation. There are farming communities. There are people are called progressive Christian movements. 
and they come with these labels. I just think of it as in the age of Reformation and just like during that time of Martin Luther and the Protestant Reformation movement, the challenge, the status quo was being challenged. Catholic Church was the mainstay, all things education, the empowerment of the state or the the, the the kings and the queens that had their backing, right? And it's politically entrenched as well. Yes. So they're, they're it, kind of head together, so to speak. Exactly. So going. Yeah. Exactly. And so you're kind of seeing those parallels of history with, as mm-hmm. you, if you will. So gender of the church has intertwined politically. And so there's this intermarriage between church and state, if you will. That's being challenged now. The status quo is being challenged. People through, at that time, it was the Gutenberg press. Bible into the hands of the average person, right? Wow. Today, social media is our modern Gutenberg press. And so people are coming across, especially during this uh, pandemic, they haven't been in traditional context of doing church. People have been church harping virtually. Right. Social media has been the go-to forum of communication. And people are coming across new information. They're coming across Loma, right. coming across other communities that's talking about the grace message, it's talking about the love of God and making Christ centric, and making Christ the central focus and making his terms to his themes of his mm-hmm. message. That annoyed, change the way you think. So that's in that message, in that context, he was talking to a very religious culture, culture that was very cult- religiously in- induced with in their thinking, their worldview was sure. very religious in scope. And so Jesus was challenging his that culture to change the way they think about their relationship with Father. So you're hearing that same message today with, with respect to Reformation and Reform, you know, about, hey, listen, there is no separation between us and the Father. Separation was in our own thinking. Grace message, you know, your love that you can't miss it. You could try, but love is there to uphold you. People say, again, the label sloppy, gobby or whatever message, but it's an empowering message. It's not a, it's not, I like what someone said, it's not a license to sin, it's a license to sin. Um, nice. And so this should be our position as the church. And so I have hope the church. I love the church. Oh. I, for all instances, I am a church boy. Grew up in the church. Was I don't have church hurt. You know, sometimes when you, criticize the church, people automatically think that you have church hurt. Outside of maybe some of the run-ins with the pillars of the church, church experience has been pretty positive. It wasn't until God called me out of the system going church into going a detox, a journey of deconstruction in my own life, in my walk, now to come together, break, break it down to his bare bones. And what's left? What's left is the love of God, right? Nature and the essence of who I am. <laughs> and so that becomes bridge. I think the church should begin to build its bridge on and its outreach is on a bridge called love. Oh um, my goodness. That's my message. <laughs> so the intersectionality again yeah. is real world life impact. Church for some people is a lighthouse. For some yeah. people, the church is place hold the hospital healing. Uh, so you want to have people because of a community where you, you'll be placed at, where they're going to come in looking for Absolutely. hope. Absolutely. Answer, solutions. Acceptance. Exactly. Exactly. And being loved. You can't be loved if you're not accepted. Exactly. I love you, except this has got to go. No, you just have to be loved. Otherwise, conditional, because it has a condition. Absolutely. And people are starving. And that, that is a... 
we need love like we need air. Amen. We need love like we need air. And the thing is this, if we we don't have a connection to pure air, we're going to breathe toxic air because we need love. And so as the church, we want to make sure that we're that the love, the air that we're representing is not toxic. So we do need to detox. Yes. Uh, Christ is in love with his church. Is he's Jesus. in love with his church. He's in love with humanity. He is in love and drawing all things to himself. So what does that look like? Well, that means that the church where we're not looking lovely, where we violated love, where we're not doing the commandment of love to love as he loves. That's our commandment. When we're not doing that, we are being shaken. We are being conformed into his image. And and whatever's not of love's kind, that is going to go. And that's a painful thing in the church when we've had structures where we've had to defend, say, what we think is holiness, or we've had to defend God or defend our institution or defend our stance versus reflect the one who's, who needs no defense. <laughs> yes. And who's not all in a wad about trying to defend himself or all that kind of thing, but is trying to woo the world about who he is and who they are made in his image and likeness. And so I'm so tracking. I think this is such a time when we can upgrade rather yes. than getting in our holes and duking it out. But what is the upgrade? What is the upgrade? It's going to look like love. And sometimes what that looks like, it's just something we've never seen before. That's part of the upgrade. That's why, that's part of the metanoia. But in that place where we get that upgrade, we are transfigured into the image of Christ. And that's what, that's what, uh, what Holy Spirit's do in the church world wild and uh, wide and drawing humanity to himself. So how is your, I know there's a lot of icy political. Oh my goodness. Yes, we were talking about this. Dicey political things that are going on. And as, as the body of Christ, do you have any insights on how we should navigate that? How we've got, we, how do we navigate people that are, are really struggling and they're just such authentic, there's such pain there. Yeah. And if we can't address people's pain and at least be sensitive and sometimes we just need to keep our mouth shut because we really don't have an answer. But we can love people in the midst of whatever that is. And sometimes that's the greatest ministry we have to offer. But ha we have an individual response. We have a corporate response. And then there's this whole political, right? And whatever insights you want to throw out there, just go. <laughs> okay. I'll start, with, I'll start with the individual. That awareness of culture. Awareness of Father's love for you. We can't give out what we're not aware that we truly have. The love of God is vast, it's deep, it's present, it's resonant in all of us. It's the reality of our nature. And so there, for the individual, there needs to be a personal way of Father's love in their life, in their own transitions, whether I'm in a posture of slave mindset or a sonship mindset. So for the individual, there needs to be their personal awakening because Love automatically flows out of that. It begins to challenge your present paradigm, your own prejudices, your own prejudices, if you will. It's so well, not touchy. Exactly. So just in that, it did just in a practical sense. Uh, listen, go to a community that's helping the LGBTQ plus community. And tear. Because there are a lot of hurting kids that are, tr that are, that are in transition. And the religious community rejected this is mama's them church. This is daddy them church. This is grandma them church. Rejected them. And so they were in search of looking for community. So challenge yourself. Reach out. 
you got a coworker, a family member, talk to them, have a conversation. I just recently posted, I said, uh, don't judge. I said, don't judge anybody. You can invite them out to dinner and have an open-hearted conversation first before you judge them, right? And cancel them. Canceling people is so easy. So individually, I say then corporately with respect to pastors and leaders, you have to be conscious to weight your words because your world, your words have real world impact and consequences because of that power authority power structure if you will, between pastor and human, especially if your members weigh on every word that you say as a leader and take it as if it's God. Right. Uh, so it's okay to state my opinion, my perspective. It's okay to do that, but also at the same time, paint the reality of who God is in the person of Jesus. And it's about, and encourage your people, okay. they can educate you. There, there's a, somebody posted something from the focus of the family. It was a whole write up about 12 pages about this outreach and build up to the LGBT community, right? It was so disingenuous. It was so insensitive. So it was the way they worded it came against the arguments that people were making. They considered progressive Christian arguments, taking away the scriptures. And so they came with this whole approach <laughs> that is so disingenuous. It's, people will spot. They said, Stanley talked about gospel and how irresistible, right? Uh, people can spot a fake from that way. So I think <laughs> leaders believe yeah. there needs to be something authentic and genuine in their outreach to people. Uh, create a space for dialogue, healthy conversations and dialogue. Can take place. Listen, don't just put up the testimonies of people who have been delivered, right? Homosexuality. What about those that feel comfortable? In their, uh, in their personhood, right. you know, as LGBTQ, they don't feel that they need to be delivered right. homosexuality. Right. Right. So we want to always up in the conversation with putting up people who, who used to be former this, but not people that's current in the, in that right. space that can speak right. to you about what they really want and what they really desire. And so I think the disconnect politically is that in every argument, right, in every protest group, if you will, there's, for them, there's a legitimate grievance. Right. Then there are people, there are fringe groups that have their grievances too. Right. Because this is a certain fringe group's perspective doesn't mean it's reflective of the whole group. For example, you have people, you have abortionists, I mean, people that are anti-abortionists, right? Mm -hmm. That feel like, hey, we should just blow up abortion clinics and kill abortion doctors. That's an extreme fringe group. That's not reflective of all the Christian community people that are anti-abortionists. And right. so you can't lump in and make these overgeneralizations to this community. Most in the LGBT plus community just want to be affirmed, accepted, and recognized. And so if you have a transgender person who identifies uh -huh. as a male transgender person or female mm -hmm. transgender person, respect that. Respect their respect, respect their pronouns, how they want to be referenced, how they want to be referred to. Respect goes a long way. We in the church, we preach honor all day long as leaders right? in our church systems and structures. But yet when it comes to the society, we don't want to honor society. You know, where the Bible says this, where well, you were born this way. So I'm going to refer to you. That is disheartening and ingenuous, unthetic and unloving. So we need to also stop putting labels on stuff. Good idea. Not putting labels on stuff. Right. 
we hate to be labeled. Right? I, I am definitely not pro-abortion, but I'm not blowing any things up. But right. So we hate that. OK, yeah. but it's a level playing ground. So, yeah, keep on going. Yeah. Stop with the labels. Be a bridge builder. And here's some points I've written down about being a bridge. It, uh, being a bridge builder, again, are people who create relationships that are that cut across the line. So number one, help establish relationships, relationships, improve communication, Three, build trust between conflicting people in groups. And so a lot of that is not maybe intuitive for me because I'm a social worker. It may not be intuitive for a pastor or leader, but because you are a pastor or leader, you have to become more aware of emotional intelligence. You have to be more effective as a communicator. And so maybe taking a class or two, a training your people, right. cultural competence, what it means to be emotionally intelligent leader. There's classes and things, all kinds of stuff, free stuff too, for pastors and leaders to, to readjust their thinking, for them to have a metanoia moment. They can be effective. Again, you could communicate your position, communicate your perspective without it being harming or psychological damning, damaging to people. A lot of times mm-hmm. pastors in protest say things that are emotionally triggering, that mm-hmm. are psychologically triggering for people, especially in the LGBTQ plus community that is very trauma based. And so being aware of trauma, pastors need to be educated because, again, coming off the heels of an epidemic pandemic. Right. People are dealing with a lot of emotional stuff. Boy. And so Bible and verse is not always the resolve of the answer. So we need exactly. to. It can be very, become, very damaging. Yes. Yeah, the Bible says it doesn't mean it's ministering life. Exactly. Yeah. You know, truth is we're, we're not even handling this well with one another. Exactly. And so, so we're beating each other up with our Bibles. But then but then we go outside the community to this this diverse, nuanced community, but there's a lot of pain in that community. And so, yeah, so it's like we lob our, our stuff in there and then we're, and then, yeah, but we're left. It's like that. It's not feeling like, love. so we, yeah, we do have to grow. And I think sometimes we, and as it's a really tough job to be a pastor and leader in, yep. in the, is it really tough because you, you need to be trained in the word. You need to be trained in all these things, but we need to realize that it's about people. And so with that, we are, it is incumbent on us to, to develop in our emotional intelligence, to, to really listen to people where they're at, to be pertinent and not be so ready to have the uh, scriptural answer or whatever, or be the whatever, but be able to engage with people in a way that's life-giving, Exactly. in a way that's life-giving. You look at how Christ dealt with people and all sorts of people. Very often he'd let them hammer on and whatever they were talking about that was not scriptural or whatever, but he, he wanted to get to the heart. So we were slow to speak and didn't always feel like he had to even put his, and he's, he might be a little bit more competent than we are, but, uh, but he would let people, because he's trying to draw out the heart. What's important is the heart, is the connection. That's what's important. People as human beings. Just their val- their intrinsic value, yes. and they all have journeys. You know, no one knows where people have been through. What what have they gone through? We don't know that. So we have to be humble rather than lobbing something at people, but being humble and really listening to their hearts. And the other thing is, you're also invited into people's stories. It's not yes. you can, like be a bull in the t- china shop and just like assert yourself. 
as whatever. We have to be um, uh, gentle and kind. First two attributes of love is patience and kindness. And usually, like, we get to patience and I'm like, I'm out. I'm already like, you nailed me right there. <laughs> and then we have, and being kind in that. So when we're engaging with a whole population that is diverse, yeah. if we're diverse as a body, well, what makes you think that, that this community is not diverse and nuanced and has their own story, their own perspective yeah. and whatever? And we're people. We're all people trying to navigate life and life is and all of that. So there's such a beautiful thing that I think the Lord is positioning the church. And he is, we're under, we are under reformation. We need reformation because we are supposed to be this beautiful entity representing a beautiful God of love that, that is the most powerful thing on the planet. And that's our plan. And such means that we need to be correctable. And upgraded individually and then as leaders, all of these different things that you're touching on. It's, yeah, it's amazing. Keep going. You were talking, I think you were starting to address maybe some of the political stuff or no, you don't, wherever you want to go, <laughs> take it away. <laughs> no, it, this is such a beautiful and necessary conversation. And so even to the listeners, please take this, share it with your pastor, with your leader, or if you're a leader or pastor, share it with your leaders. And draw, listen to Holy Spirit and draw from there what the Holy Spirit may lead you to do. That's going to be different for each and every community. You're right. Is you know, can't take a, even in, like a social worker or in the medical field, you know, one size, one size fit all approach is so old school. We have to take a more individualized approach to these issues. And Jesus, uh, one, somebody have talked about or pointed out, they alluded to Jesus' story with the woman at the wedding to use that as like a chief story and response with respect to this particular issue. He didn't justify her lifestyle. He's like that. And I said, no, that's the wrong way to look at that story. I said, you have to look at that. That's one mini story of Jesus showing us how he deal with individuals individually. It wasn't always the same. We as the church shouldn't take a generalized blanketed black and white approach individuals, as you were stating earlier about your own individual journey. And so every person has a story. Every behavior reflects a need. And there needs to be a safe space and a place for conversations to have and not assume. And in those moments, you'll hear Holy Spirit leading you, guiding, sharing, saying these things to you for a person's life, or they're coming into their own revelation and insight of discerning Father's voice in their own life and discerning right. our own identity that's rooted in Christ. We are not the arbiters discipline for moral change in a person's life, right? We serve as signposts, if you will, messengers, right? In a person's life. Again, not to paint God as a moral monster, but everybody has a journey and of course they're going through. Bringing people to a place of what is healthy. Right. Uh, truth in some regard is subjective in some regards, in some respect. So you have this whole notion about truth, right? And so we'll argue that God is a, 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 a moral God, right? Or a truth God. I say God, he's a truth God. Truth and love, right? It's synonymous, right? And freedom more than it is a moral God. Again, that doesn't take away from us having that moral conversation and things and being more morally responsible. This is not that type of issue and conversation. This is about person of a person def- helping them to define identity. Not in their lifestyle, not in their behaviors, but in who Father says that they are. 
So, yeah. So affirming people in their Christ-centered identity and their sonship lifestyle for a person who may be same gender loving, right? They're just as holy as anybody else because they're in Christ. They're just as righteous of anybody else. You just want anybody, whether that's a person that is same, different gender loving, going to tell them the same thing. And when I was in social services, our group home, we had a pilot program. It one of the first programs to launch inter community of young boys, uh, boys that identified as LGBTQ. So, and it was at that time very religious. So it was a re-education for me at that time. One of my favorite clients, and I was their favorite staff, identified as trans. Very awesome young lady, very awesome young person, very insightful, secure in who they were in their identity, but had a story. Right. Right. Had a story, very powerful story, had a, such a sense of clarity and direction for life. And so in this program, it was adjustment. It was a, for me, shifted my worldview. I had very, because of religious conditioning, a very narrow-minded, scenario-minded <laughs> worldview. But God, that ex- shifted me. It brought a greater sense of love even out of me that I didn't know. I wow. you know, it was very loving and acceptance. And so I would use that. Just, I would tell them all the same. Hey, it's about being healthy. Okay. Who you date? <laughs> okay. Be safe. Be safe in your relationships. Be safe. Establish boundaries. And so my conversations with uh, my young men, like girls or my young, young people that were that identified as LGBTQ, my conversation was always the same. It was always the same. Be healthy. They make those distinctions. And so when it comes to that, it's about being healthy. A lot of our responses is rooted in fear. Yeah. You know, it's very yeah. fear-based. And fear and love can't occupy the same space. Right. So you, yeah. yeah. You would not be effective as a leader rooting your arguments and myths, rooting your arguments in fear. That's what it is. And this is what attributes to phobia. You'll never be able to have it outreach. Community, the world is changing. The world is very and very affirming. And people are not going, going to continue to uphold these systems and these institutions that are very toxic, very traumatic for people. Religious trauma syndrome is very real. And you have advocates that are advocating for it to be placed in the DSM-5. And when it's solidified like that, it's going to change a lot of things legislatively. So if the church don't make its course correction that it needs to make, there's going to be legislation and we're going to cry we're going to cry persecution. We're going to cry religious freedom and things like that. Freedom comes with responsibility, too. So there's going to be legislation that will come to help the church make the necessary course corrections if it don't make it itself. And the truth is that we need to be led. The sons and daughters of God are led by the Spirit of God. And institutionally, the Lord is also leading us as well. And so I feel like this is such a wake-up call for us, and we can either choose to embrace it or we're going to have external things imposed on us that I'm not really clear are going to be actually get the job done. <laughs> exactly. But, so we can either uh, respond ourselves in our wake up call or we can have it imposed on us and cry foul when our problem was if we had done this before, this would not be an issue. Right. I just feel like this is such an, an opportunity for the church to be the church to be that beautiful bride that reflects a glorious God who embraces all right where they're at. Exactly. And uh, so I, I think uh, this is such a 
wonderful conversation. Thank you, Jermaine. Any final things that you want to add in there? Just want to encourage our listeners. You maybe like, oh no, I'm not doing none of that. Cap or whatever. That's fine. But I just want to challenge you, especially if you're a passionate leader, serve in your community. I want to encourage you to do some introspection. That's all. Just get somewhere quiet, walk through your ideas and your beliefs and see if they truly reflect who Christ is. That's beautiful. And after Jesus is our safe place. And he's, you know, Holy Spirit is the one that's conforming us into the image of Christ. And so you can trust him. And uh, rather than clinging on to what has been clinging on to scripture in a way, you can make scripture pretty much say anything you want it to say. So what is God saying through his scripture? What's God saying to you directly? And I think it's so incumbent as leaders that we really, okay, so what is what are the changes that I'm needing to make? And starting there, because we can't lead where we're, we haven't been led. And uh, so this is such a time for us to be gloriously upgraded. That we can take it. We can take advantage rather than get freaked out, rather than get defensive, rather than pointing fingers, rather than getting offended. All of that, rather than entrenching ourselves and preparing for battle, all of that. Let's take advantage and allow all those things to strip away what's not of love's kind, what's not of the, in the image and likeness of God and who He is in Christ. So. All of that. So, well, Jermaine, I love you. I, it's such a joy to hear from you. I just lap it up. I hope you'll come back again sometime. And uh, yeah, and, and I just want to thank all the listeners for, uh, for joining in. I know this has maybe been challenging. It's good. It's good to get our cages rattled. Good things happen when we get shaken, get to be upgraded on the other side. So thank you, Jermaine. I hope, uh, hope you'll come back. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Dr. Cacatoon. All right. Okay, everybody, make sure you share this with people and everyone have a fabulous day. Bye-bye. Bye.